available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. The regular season is done. We'll recap that today. Preview the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Utah. And then answer all of your questions uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, podcast, I'm sorry, it's Pac12podcast at gmail.com, wrong email address. Pac12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can send us one there, or if you'd rather call or text us, 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac12podcast on the website, Pac12podcast.com. Please subscribe on all of the podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings, some positive reviews, all that stuff is greatly appreciated by myself and my partner, David. Oh, yeah, we do. We love those things. I don't know if we've gotten any new ones. Huh. Let me see. Let me see. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, no you problem. sit tight. Will see, you sit tight right there? I please? will. Okay. Wait, I don't have an iPhone. I use the Google. I have you know, uh, Android. And the Google Podcast, I like the the platform, I like the uh, the app, but it doesn't allow you to rate. And uh, iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, has been the long time one, so that's where we see most of the the ratings and reviews and stuff coming from. Yeah. All right. I've got two. I think. All right. All right. We've got one from Keylime five hundred three, who I think is a multiple time reviewer, which I really appreciate. Um, this is the lullaby of champions. My fiance asks me to play this podcast when she has trouble falling asleep at night. I guess it helps her fall asleep. Except when Ryan clicks the button for the new Washington State intro sound. Then she wakes back up. Thanks, Ryan. Washington State Cougars. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and then we have one from Corey K1391. True champions. The champions of Pac-12 podcasting because there's no other competition. Or at least none that came up in my search. There's a balance of entertainment and analysis, rarely both at the same time, but enough of each that I listen to the end. Keep going. That's the kind of ringing endorsement I love. I yeah. listen to it, is basically what he told us. Yeah, like I listen. He, I, it's, it's good enough that I will listen to a thing I started till I, the end. I couldn't find anything better. I didn't look that hard. And this yeah. is fine, so I will stay with it. That's the only endorsement I want in life. Yeah. In all like scenarios. Like, ah, he's okay. I guess I'll stick around with them. It's like, you, you know, have this, this pretty good pizza place, like just down the street and it's not great, but it's pretty good. So you usually get, you know, you walk down there and grab your pizza. Like, are there better pizza places around? Probably. Have you found them yet? No, but I kind of like this. So I'll just go there. So I, that's, yeah, that's what we no, like. exactly. I want like on the, on my tombstone, Dave Woods, tolerable. <laughs> Dave Woods, fine. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's everything's okay. fine. I get to use my uh, everything's fine GIF. It's one of my favorite ones. Uh, we'll get to all that kind of stuff. Um, we both did good in our picks, four and two. Uh, we did. Uh, one of us ended up five hundred on the season. You did well. The season's not over. We got more time, but um, yeah, for, you were forty-two, forty-two, and one now. But four and two, pretty good. Um, we have our power rankings, and um, we also have. Let's see. Oh, there's some news. We have some. Uh, Breaking news. Uh, we got a contract extension for Mike Leach. I believe it was 2024, if I saw that correctly. Um, LaVisca Chenault and Isaiah Hodgins, the two wide receivers from Colorado and Oregon State, respectively. Studs in this league both announced that they will be going to the NFL. So no no big surprises there. But with the that fake tweet that went out about Mike Leach going to, was it Arkansas or Mississippi? I forget what. I think I forget which one it was. But one of those. It was Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Okay. Uh, he signed an extension, so it looks like he's sticking around. I mean, what is an extension these days? It's all about the buyout, baby. Yeah, Yeah, it could have been like an extension with a a smaller buyout. Like, who knows? You know, you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's, what is he? He's only 58 now. I mean, he could still, he could still kick the tires on a new job. A little bit, yeah. I mean, if some SEC score, I mean, if, if Florida State, if their search continues to go swimmingly, maybe they'll kick the tires. Who knows? Yeah, hard to say. Um, let's see. All right, we we got the Pac-12 Players of the Week. Uh, so for offensive player, it was Utah's tight end, uh, Brant. Is it Kuthi? Is that how you say it? Um, Keithy. Keithy. Keithy, I think. Uh, he It's K-U-I-T-H-E. He uh, ran two touchdowns in, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, congrats to that. That was a weird kind of stat yep. there. Jack Jones, yep. uh, the cornerback from Arizona State, former USC, uh, former five-star, had two picks uh, in the Territorial Cup, so congrats to him. And then Mikael Wright, uh, he returned a 98-yard uh, kickoff for a touchdown uh, in Oregon's win in the Civil War. So congrats to him. Uh, offensive or lineman goes to uh, offensive lineman Penny Sewell because you got it usually last week it wasn't, but usually it's just one of the Oregon offensive linemen. He graded out high on the PFF stuff. Uh, Joe Tryon um, from uh, Washington uh, is the defensive he the defensive player on the defensive line, and then Trent McDuffie, uh, the freshman DB, was the um, freshman of the week there. So, congrats to all the winners! Congratulations to all, and to all a good night. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, yeah, Tryon had four tackles and uh, two and a half for loss with a couple of sacks. So he had a couple of sacks there, and McDuffie. He started his 10th game as a true freshman. Um, and then, oh, uh, let's see. He, he forced a fumble. Okay, so he had a big forced fumble uh, recovered by Washington to end uh, the latest Washington State threat. So good good for uh, all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, do we want to just roll right into our Pac-12 Roundup? Yeah, and I guess we'll get to the coaching stuff within the Roundup. Oh yeah, we could. I mean, I guess we do that at the top too. Um, the coaching stuff. Oh yeah, because we have a bunch, right? Nothing. So, nothing really happened, but I guess we can talk about some of it. I, yeah, I, I didn't even think about it. So I thought I don't know if we want to do it during the. So big, big news. Um, Arizona State, you know, got rid of their <laughs> offensive coordinator, and so there's a huge search. And that's going really on. the top line item. Yes, I think right now. Uh, yeah, was it Rob Likens? You know, if you feel for him. Uh, they kind of eviscerated their entire offensive staff, actually. Yeah, 
There was a, there was a lot. So Which, that was that was actually a, I respect it. That's a that's a big move from like a seven and five Arizona State team to just be like, nah, we're done with this this nonsense offense. We're gonna it, run something else. Yeah, and uh, you know you had a true freshman quarterback that did well, but uh, yeah, so. Herm Edwards making some moves after his second season, which was it was pretty big. I mean, that was pretty big news uh, until uh, the bomb that was dropped in Seattle. Uh, I don't know if you read this one yet, David, but um, Chris Peterson is no longer the head coach at the University of Washington. What? No, he's gone. I, I, I'm, I It would be great if we were pretending to have recorded this on Tuesday, but it's been like literally three days since yeah. it happened. Um, yeah, this one, this one blew me away. Um, I know, I think Feldman tweeted something like, yeah, I suspected this was coming. Okay, Bruce, fine. Well, if you're not going to tell anyone, then it doesn't really matter what you knew, Bruce. You tell him that, Ryan. You tell him I said that. I'll tell him. So Dave yeah. said, stop doing that. <laughs> and he'll be like, who's Dave? Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so Chris Peterson, uh, elected to, I mean, I read it as I'm retiring, but like temporarily but I'm going to recharge for a little while. Um, but I would expect him to be out of college football for a little bit of time at least. Um, but he decided he's done um, after six seasons at Washington. He's going to move into a advisory role. Um, and Jimmy Lake, uh, the man who haunts, I think, Mike Leach's dreams, is stepping into the head coaching role um, after serving the last couple of years, I think, as full-time DC. And then before that as DB coach and co-DC. Um, crazy. Holy crazy. Yeah. Totally nuts. Um, but, you know, you got to like what Washington did. Was it Jen Cohen, I believe, the athletic director, uh, had a plan in place, um, knew that this wasn't going to last forever. And at some point, Chris Peterson was going to move on. And they felt like, or she felt like, Jimmy Lake was going to be uh, the best option. He's now the fifth uh African-American head coach in the Pac-12, which is more, according to John Wilner, more than the rest of the Power Five conferences combined. Um, so, yeah, so props to Washington. They had a, you know, a, a plan in place. My condolences to uh, Chris Fetters and and Kim Grenolds and all those guys. They didn't get a coaching search at all. They got an announcement that said, coach is leaving, here's the new coach. And usually you get like some fun times on the website where you're Searching oh, for coaches yeah. and all that stuff. They, they were that, they were robbed of that. So that, that those are the losers and all this. Our friends over at Dogman. Yeah, behind the curtain, everyone. The time when your ex- subscriptions explode the most on any of these sites is when you're in the middle of a coaching search. That's it. Like that's that is the number one thing. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, and the interest level is just so high. It never gets better than that. Um, so Washington missed that. Um, it, it was handled in like such a professional and secretive manner that I don't think there was any inkling of it except to Bruce Feldman, apparently, uh, (laughs) before it actually happened. Um, So that was, you know, really kind of shocking this day and age. Um, I mean, it sounds like there'll be continuity within the program. I think the main thing that they've got to fix is that absolutely dreadful to watch offense. I know efficiency metrics had it as like still fine, but it was awful to watch. Yeah. And given the talent that Washington has on offense, even more dreadful. It was boring. Um, it was, it, yeah. It, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So get some new offensive blood in there. You know, get some life. Um, find somebody who's not running an offensive scheme from like 15 years ago and see what they can do with uh, with the talent in place at Washington. But I think it's, 
I think, you know, Washington fans justifiably maybe a little bit sad that the Peterson era is ending, but I'd be kind of excited. I think there's an opportunity to maintain a very, very good defense while potentially modernizing that offense. So that's what I would be looking for is what happens offensively. Do they make a change there and uh, who ends up getting hired as the offensive coordinator? Yeah. Um, So that was one that was run uh, very efficiently and uh, professionally. And everyone looked like they had their ducks in a row. Uh, buttoned up. It was uh, it was well run. You could tell that they knew what they were doing. Yeah, I thought I thought you know, and you know it's it's tough because we don't have anything obvious to compare it to, um, <laughs> in terms of like a coaching instability standpoint. So it's hard to say whether it was like better or worse than another, you know, say blue blood job on the West Coast or close to a blue blood job on the West Coast. So um, we'll just have to base it off of, you know, just the simple fact that this one appeared to be well run, but we don't have any context, right, Ryan? Well, there's, there was another one, uh, you know, I don't know if you heard about, you might have missed this one too. Um, but USC, uh, my boy is back. My boy, Clay Helton is back. Clay Helton returns. Even Dave got to the point where he was tweeting. There's no way USC can bring him back, but then he would snark afterwards. Like, Oh, of course you got to bring him back. He's packed well of coach of the year, but even you, Dave, were saying, yeah, there's even USC can't screw this up. Ta-da! We it's been screwed up. Dumb, dumber, dumbest. <laughs> Just uh, from that drop, I think it works there. Uh, or they were herocious. Yeah. Clown's coming back, everybody. You get a new president, you get a new athletic director, Mike Bone. They uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but I know there's this thing called the Borg and I feel like you had these outsiders come into this bureaucratic nightmare that is the USC athletic department. And they just were, uh, you know, brought into the Borg and they were just assembled with the Borg. So now it's just the same. They're just still making. Or or they just, you know, quality recognizes quality, right? (laughs) You know, Mike Bowen coming in, he sees, hey, this head coach went eight and four, did it with a true freshman at quarterback, did it with a lot of injuries. Did it replacing his entire secondary? Like, think about that. Think about the challenges that were in place for Clay Helton going into this season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, having what? more talent USC, than everybody you play, yeah, it's got to be tough. You know? No, but USC only had like, look, USC's used to having like top four talent. USC yeah. only had like top seven, top eight talent this year. <laughs> like, that's a big step back for USC. According to the the talent composite, they still had top four talent, which is funny. They won't next well, year. Well, <laughs> true freshman at quarterback, Ryan. That's true. Yeah, I, That's the I didn't even realize that part. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got to remember. Um, how could you expect true... to beat BYU? I mean, it was on the road. Like that's... How could you expect to beat BYU with a true freshman quarterback who <clears throat> throws for uh, 28 touchdowns and nine interceptions on 72% passing with 9.5, 9.4 yards per attempt. Yeah. How could you expect to win any games with that guy? And the fact that they won eight blows me away. Yeah. I mean, it took, I mean, Akron almost didn't beat BYU, right? So, I mean, it's, it's completely <laughs> excusable, like everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's all I have. It's all I have, and it's so. Uh, it's all I have. Just give me this. But it is um, absolutely stunning. Um, I mean, maybe it was financial at some level, uh, but 
this is such an unjustifiable decision. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, and, uh, you know, people were asking me, we had to do an emergency tunnel vision, which is our live show. We had the biggest, so unlike the dogman people, we actually got a nice little boost because people assume you're going to have a coaching search, you know, we had a promotion going on. Um, but also unfortunate, well now unfortunate for us that Clay Holmes coming back, fan apathy is at an all time high. There's outrage and it's going to, it's turned to apathy and they're tuning out. They're like, I don't, you know, they don't feel the administration cares about winning. Hard to blame them. Um, usually, you know, fan is short for fanatic. People go crazy over stupid stuff. I, I mean, I don't blame the fans in this one. You've seen this before. You had your athletic director last year make a statement about, we got to change everything. Then Mike Bones makes another one. We're going to change everything. It's like, what? I mean, this is going to be year five for your head coach. Like, what, what do you keep changing stuff for and losing games and it's absolutely baffling uh, to me, but you know I, you, you can't be shocked because when you cover USC, this kind of stupid shit happens all the time. Yeah, and you know the the beauty of it is though Clay Helton set up for such success in 2020. You know, really weak non conference schedule. Right. Only has to play Alabama <laughs> in a neutral site <laughs> game um, and Notre Dame uh, at home as you know, per the usual, but it's like actually kind of one of the, you know, it's a tough non, uh, it's a tough conference schedule too. getting UCLA at the Rose bowl, as has been proven over the many, many years of that rivalry is like a 10 point swing, um, towards UCLA in that game. Um, you got to go at Autzen, got to play Washington. So you're getting the wrong end of that, um, rotation. So Yeah. You play at Utah as well, so and I know at Utah as well. It's not. It's it's uh it's not ideal. Fans are justifiably really really upset, and uh, I don't know what to tell them besides you're right. I mean, when you we did a poll, so David tried to tape my poll uh, on Twitter, and and probably a lot of the listeners on the podcast of Champions. Uh, that ended. Up I being- successfully did when when it was posted originally when I first saw it. It was at twelve percent retain, and then I think by the time I was done, it was at seventeen percent. So Dave tweet like tweaked it, um, and you knew, but there was going to be, I mean, but that said more than anything when you had like Washington fans chiming in, like please, please, please keep Clay Helton. When all your enemies want you to do something, it's probably not the right thing to do. You know, it's got to be in like the art of war somewhere. Like uh, you know, if if you go back and read that, there has to be some passage in there talking about. If your enemies want you to do this, and I and I, I someone tweeted at me, and uh, they're like, "That's stupid. It doesn't make any sense." I'm like, "Okay, so you're at war, and you're attacking a position, and you, and the the people you're attacking, you could attack from the high ground or the low ground, and the people you're attacking would much prefer if you attack from the low ground. Like, where do you think it's best to attack from? Well, just because they want me to attack, you know, no, they they don't want to be attacked from the high ground because that makes the most sense. So, I mean, it's completely baffling when it's that, you know swayed it but you know we couldn't tell for sure so i did a poll on the peristyle on uscfootball.com the premium message board and we had over three thousand people vote you can only vote once you know every person could only vote once and it's only for subscribers so you had to be a subscriber now there are some opponents that subscribe but for the most part it's usc fans and it was 96 percent to four percent um you know you never get that kind of like if you would ask people do you like oxygen like they're not going to say it at ninety six percent. Like the fan base was absolutely united, and the administration just basically said, "We don't care. We're keeping them." It, it's so crazy. 
Yeah, it it really is. And um I, I gotta say I'm just happy for my man. <laughs> so ecstatic for Clay. Um comes from that robust Rip Sure coaching tree. Like just, you know, obviously an up and comer. Yeah, it's 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 um Tracy and I were talking about it on the broadcast yesterday, where it's like it's great because UCLA is at like a historical low point, but it's as if USC is like, no, nah, we're not going to take advantage of our crosstown rival in any way. We're not going to do it. We're just going to continue with this guy until they get their feet under him. It's really sweet, <laughs> actually. It's like kind of nice. I feel like both schools have done that, though. I mean, oh, no, it's really nice on UCLA. Like they're both being really polite to each other, and I really yeah. like it. Like, you know, it's a it's a nice little detente going on. It's like you have two fighters on the mat being counted down, and neither one of the other ones wants to stand up and like get the victory. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're kind of tired. Yeah, There's yeah, a, they got this. You know, it's not like a standing eight count. They're like being counted out on the mat, and uh, <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, you know, talking to John Wilner a little bit about it, I'm actually going to get Wilner on my uh, Peristyle podcast because he's been pretty vocal about this. Um, you know. Pac-12 fans are rejoicing. Yay, Clay Hilton's coming back. And Wilner has been saying, you shouldn't do that. Like, if, unless USC is decent or good, it's hard for the rest of the Pac-12 to get recognition. So, um, you know, I agree with that too. But it's uh, going back to the well here with Clay Hilton. They could get blown out in their bowl game because they might play someone good because they're clear third place in the Pac-12. Um, we'll talk about Utah's and their playoff chances, but... Uh, could be two teams, either one in the playoff or two, you know, Utah and Oregon in the New Year Six would move USC up to the Alamo Bowl. They could play like a Baylor or something. Um, you get beat there. You get smoked by Alabama and Dallas next, you know, fall. And it's like, what is what is Mike Bowen, the new athletic director, do? Like, oh, that was a good choice, huh? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really weird time right now. Yeah, I it's it's. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, and for a new AD, I, I sort of get it. He doesn't want his like first action, like basically, you know, a month after being hired to be firing a coach after like he hasn't really had a time to get used to him, I guess. But you've got to be able to take the temperature of your fan base. Like you've got to be able to do that when every single th- like him and, and Fult, when they're tweeting out anything, like literally anything. Just the responses are all fire the football coach. Yeah. It's like, well, it was like a holiday party, like Carol Fult, the president. <laughs> and it's just all fire the coach, fire the coach. You're terrible at your job, fire the coach. It's like, wow, the ratios. It's, um, I mean, I, and it seems like they're kind of tone deaf because you can't. She tweeted like something about the holiday party, like soon after this came out, like, you know, that's not going to go over well. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. There's maybe she's not tweeting it, but the people, whoever is tweeting it, should be fired because there's no way. You could do that, you know, within an hour of this bombshell announcement that everyone's mad at you for. Yeah, I wonder, uh, you know, it's always interesting with hiring whether Bone had a full accounting of the facts coming into the job, like when he was hired. Um, Like, A, either the fans are going to be really pissed if you don't fire this coach, or B, he thought he had more money to work with, or he thought that the financial situation was more tenable for firing Helton or whatever. But if he came in and just was kind of ignorant of all of this stuff, or I don't know when he was hired, it was like after they'd lost to Notre Dame, right? He, uh, right before they lost to Oregon, actually, I think Oregon was the first game that he got to watch, but he wasn't there, but he watched it. Um, 
And then the rest he saw, I think, in person. But the Oregon game, he was uh, like back in Cincinnati for. Yeah, that's it's just shocking to me that he wouldn't come in with an idea that like this needs to happen almost immediately. Um, or and if he did, and then he was given sold the bill of goods, I imagine he's probably a little bit embittered, you know, because that would have to be part of the conversation when you're being hired. So this head coach, he's he's really embattled, right? Like there's a bunch of stuff going on. So what are we gonna do with him? Yeah, and this is the thing they come up with. We're gonna. <laughs> yeah, my I mean my like take on the situation i i don't i think he came into from what i heard from people from cincinnati that mike bone came in the situation expecting to replace the football coach something's changed in the last month um you know is it the money is it whatever i mean but the whatever it would have cost to fire clay helton i think john wilner put it best it cost a truckload to fire clay helton it cost a truckload and a half to keep him and i feel that that's the right case so they had to do their risk analysis, whatever, and you know, knowing there's going to be outrage, knowing it's going to cost them more money, whatever reason they had to keep them, it wasn't football reasons. It's got to be other political, you know, bullcrap kind of things. Um, you know, with the FBI scandals, I don't know, something else going on. There has I, to be something else. I actually have a theory about what it was. Yes. Okay. So um, he gets hired, and he's like, "I'm going to fire this guy like a gun. He's going to be out of here." Carol Fultz on board. She's like, yeah, let's get this guy out of there. But starting in early November, they start to see some compelling arguments from a certain Twitter <laughs> account. Somebody making the case yeah. that Clay Helton has done more with less than any USC coach in recent history. Um, that he's done it all with a true freshman at quarterback. And you can't measure the effects of a true freshman <laughs> at quarterback. You don't know how that affects special teams. You don't know how that affects the defense. You you have no idea, right? I, that's leadership. That's so much. It affect it makes the whole rest of the team anxious when you got a true freshman at quarterback. And that Twitter account was David David Woods. So David, you you've saved the USC football program. I want to say I have. I want to say I have. Um how like how much impact do you think my tweets had? Cuz I'm going to go <laughs> half a percent. I'm going to say half a percent of the decision was made via my tweets. Uh, no, I'm not. No, <laughs> you're not going to give me credit for half a percent. I'm not, I'm not going. <laughs> Sorry, non-zero. Um, no, I, no, no, yeah, probably zero percent. Probably zero percent's right. I, you know, I, I mean, if all my tweets didn't matter, I don't think yours would either. But you know, hey, whatever. Hey, I, it was it was all part of that Twitter conversation. There was just confusion. You know, it wasn't unanimous. That's the important thing to remember here, Ryan. Right, that it wasn't there was, unanimous. They were confused. Um, yeah, I had to. Re- <laughs> yeah, so if you're if you got, you you have US, you like a team and USC's on your schedule next year, that's a bonus for you. If you wanted USC to be better, so it would help the Pac-12. That's not happening. Um, so remember when you were trying to skip past that whole thing and recap games? Yeah, we yeah. should probably do that now. Yeah, I don't even know why. Like, because we had the other news that we normally do, but those were those were pretty big news. All right, we'll get back to our Pac-12 roundup. Um, fun stuff, guys. All right, let's see what we have. So first, uh, first up, it was our territorial cup, right? I think that's what we mm-hmm. had. Our that's number, right. our number twelve team, Arizona Wildcats. Wow. And now all the way up to our number four team, Arizona State Sun Devils. 
Yes, uh, ASU won the Territorial Cup, uh, beating Arizona. Um, it was a interception-heavy game for um, Khalil Tate in his final um, outing as a college quarterback. Um, kind of an inefficient day for Jaden Daniels. He only threw for 104 yards, uh, but ASU won 24-14, so that's great. Um, it more or less, you know, w- what does that put them at in the bowl schedule? Are they definitive fourth or could they be leaped um i think they could be they're seven and five let me pull up the standings i think there's a couple of teams that are seven and five let's see um yeah so it's i i think they because usc can't be leaped because they are um there's only three teams with winning conference records so oregon utah they're eight and one usc seven and two so you have asu's four and five UCLA is four and five, but they didn't make a, a bowl. Um, Oregon State's four and five; they didn't make a bowl. Washington's four and five, seven and five overall, and California's four and five, seven and five overall. So you have ASU, Cal, and Washington that are that are tied there. Uh, Washington State's three and six; uh, they're six and six overall, so they'll make a bowl. Um, and then that is it. So three teams. Basically, you have Oregon and Utah playing. USC's a clear three. And then four, five, six would be Cal, Washington, and Arizona State, and then Washington State a spot after that. Yeah. Um, well, the game itself, I thought it was a. This was a clear missed opportunity for Arizona. I thought they were in position where they potentially could have won this game, but they went over four straight drives uh, from the end of the first half to basically, well, just before the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, they went interception, 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 missed field goal. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a, you know, a math guy, but if you miss a field goal and you also have two drives that end um one on the ASU 24 with a pick and the other one on the Arizona 42 with a pick, um you're taking points off your own board. Um so not ideal. Um I, I didn't think ASU was firing on all cylinders. I thought they should have been able to take advantage of this defense more. And perhaps that's a credit to Arizona. Um, ASU ran the ball pretty well, which they hadn't really done much this year. Uh, Eno Benjamin had a big game, 34 carries for 168 yards, and Daniels ran the ball pretty well. Um, But they just weren't able to take advantage in the pass game. Um, But did just enough to win. I thought Arizona um, just kept shooting themselves in the foot offensively, and that was more or less the the story for them. Yeah, you know, two missed field goals, a 47-yarder, a 26-yarder. This was a – what was the spread in this one? 14-point spread. Didn't look good for us, Dave. No. I I don't know. But thank you, Khalil Tate, and your career uh, with the touchdown pass uh, to Jameer Joyner, two yards out with under five minutes left in the game. And we get the cover. So we both got this one right. It was pretty ugly. There was a, I think there was a fourth and three when they tried that long field goal in the first quarter. And it's just like, why don't you just go for it? Like, what, what do you have to lose here? You're, I mean, you're a four win team. Why, why are you kicking a field goal there, Kevin Sumlin? I, I don't know. That was just kind of weird. Um, and then they missed another one. You know, they would have covered the spread in the fourth quarter when they missed that other one. But then, they, like we said, they scored that uh, late touchdown. But I thought Arizona had real opportunities in this one. This might be, you know, and it wasn't the most efficient offensive performance from against the not great defense from ASU, so maybe that's why uh, Likens and some of those guys uh, were were knocked out, but you know were let go. But it just looked like missed opportunities. Like Arizona could have won this game. 
Yeah, they really could have. Um, and they had a nice aggressive mindset. I mean, aside from that early field goal attempt, they did go for it on like a fourth and two from the from their own 40. Um, and that was in the first quarter. So they were, I mean, I, I thought they had a good mindset to win. I thought defensively they played one of their better games. Um, just, you know, you can't throw three picks in a row. That's a good rule of thumb for life is don't throw three interceptions on three straight drives. I like that. That could be our next motto for the podcast. Yeah. Don't throw three interceptions in a row. Yeah. Figuratively or literally. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have UCLA Bruins. They come in at number 11. And then our number five team, California Golden Bears. These games all feel I, tell me if you feel the same way that they happened like months ago. They do, especially because yeah. I didn't never, cover a game the last week. So this was, we should never do this on a Thursday again. No, because um, this is <laughs> like this one. I'm we'll like, go what, quick. what happened? We'll, we'll just go quick. What yeah. happened in this one? Uh, Cal beat UCLA 28-18. Um, now, typically, you see a team win by ten. Like, say for example, the ASU Arizona game, and you're like, oh, that was a close fought game. You know, it could have gone either way. This was a blowout. As far as I'm concerned, if Cal beats a team by more than, like, four, it's a blowout. Um, if you allow Cal to score 28 points on your defense, they've blown you out. Um, Cal blew out UCLA by 10 points. Um, um, yeah. The the Chase Garbers um, is back, and he was, he was pretty sharp. But what I was shocked by watching this one is how easily Cal was able to run the ball against UCLA. Um, that's not been something Cal does this year. They don't have a good rushing attack. Um, but Christopher Brown Jr. was uh, basically unstoppable um, in the second half um, and completely ran through the center of UCLA's defense. Um, and UCLA's defense, I mean, they, they got good for like a three-game stretch, and then they went straight back to trash uh, to close out the year. Um, so they need to almost certainly make some changes there. Um, we'll see if they do, but they need to. Um, UCLA on the offensive end, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson put up some numbers. I didn't think he was sharp. Um, he threw a pick. He had another kind of weird fumble where he wasn't touched. Um, and he was also just kind of inaccurate. Um, you know, there were a lot of balls that just sailed over receivers heads or sailed past them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, they, they were trying to attack the middle of Cal's defense and they did it with some success. Um, but it petered out kind of the way UCLA's offense has this year. It was strong in the first quarter and then just kind of, you know, not so great the rest of the game. But ultimately, I mean, they got, uh, you know, their butts handed to them defensively by um, a bad Cal offense. And that's the story really of the season. Yeah, you've got inefficiencies with Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's not a great quarterback yet. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but he's not there yet. Uh, but this defense is giving UCLA really no chance. Um, You can't give up 28 points and whatever you gave up yardage-wise to Cal. You just can't. It's a shame, too, because I thought, you know, UCLA, they put up a lot of points against USC the week before, and they could have played much better in front of the dozens of fans that were there at the Rose Bowl, you know? I I think you're underselling it. There were 20s, maybe 30s of fans. (laughs) That was pretty bad-looking, dude. Like It was like, holy crap. Uh, Cal offense? They're, I mean, Chase Garbers is the league MVP. Like, when he's in... Obviously. They look so much better. Like, he's just that much better. What's their record when he plays? Hang on. I'm pulling this up right now. Um, all right. So, when he's just simply played in the game, they are... 
Okay, they're five and two, but that includes ASU and and USC, both games that he had to leave early. Right, and ASU was like oh six and two. Sorry, and but in every game that he started from beginning to end, they're six and zero. Yeah. So he started Davis, Washington, North Texas, and at Old Miss, and then Stanford and UCLA. Yeah, the weird and then one. ASU the, the, he got hurt, and USC he got hurt. Yeah, and uh, as far as Cal's offense, like they scored 20, 20 against UCLA. 33 with Devin Modster um, against Washington State. And then they put 28 up on Ole Miss on the road. So, I mean, that's that's the the maximum firepower of this offense. Like, they scored 27 against UC Davis, you know? Uh, yeah, and that Washington State one, that's got to include, like, some defensive touchdowns, right? There's no way they're throwing up 33 offensively on a team. Although, no, um, Modster looked really good that game. It was really weird, you know? And uh, that's why then he came back after that, and you're like, well, Modster actually looked pretty good. But then when he had to go in against USC the next week, he just looked like crap. So I don't know. Maybe he was just depressed. But we haven't seen him monster play well outside of that Washington State game, if I'm recalling correctly. I think you are. I think you are. Um, yeah. Well, that's all I have to say about that one. Yeah. It was actually a remarkably boring game. Um, it was kind of rainy and drizzly as well, um, but it was a really, really dull game. I mean, Cal just scored seven in each quarter. Seven, seven, yeah. seven, seven. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a slowish game. UCLA was limited in possessions. Just not not a fun one to watch. Cal was favored by – I'm sorry, UCLA was favored by two. We both took Cal, and uh, we both got it right. And the only reason it wasn't like a 28-10, like pure bloodbath, is uh, Evan Weaver, Cal's MVP, did something very stupid um, towards the middle part of this game where he decided that um, after a third down stop, he was going to kick the ball just generally in the direction of one of the refs, um, who then threw a flag and he got an unsportsmanlike, which extended a drive that UCLA scored on. To, to get it to 18 points. Yeah. But otherwise, UCLA was not scoring any more in this game after they got to 10 if that hadn't happened. Yeah, fun stuff. All right. Yeah, lots uh, our, of fun. Next up, we have our uh, number 10 team. Stanford Cardinal. And, and they were not taking on a Pac-12 opponent. They were no. taking on the Fighting Irish. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we, they got blown out more or less in the second half of this one. Um, we got this one. Half, we got this one right too. Notre Dame was favored by sixteen and a half. We both took the Irish. Yeah, yeah, which looks um, very good at this point um, because we won. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was twenty-one seventeen at the half. It was actually looking, I don't know, pretty semi-competitive at that point. Um, Davis Mills, I think, it looked pretty sharp um, to that point in the game. But then Notre Dame, I thought defensively, they really shut down this offense in the second half. Um, once again, Stanford really wasn't able to run the ball with Cameron Scarlett um, much at all. And um, Notre Dame was just kind of able to put it away in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, they scored 17 um, in the fourth quarter to make it a 21-point victory. Um, but, you know, I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Davis Mills this year. Um, so I think, you know future semi-bright at quarterback for Stanford. Uh, but they finished four and eight. So that's not great. And um, I think they've got a lot of things to figure out, like a new identity or reestablish the old one offensively. But they've got to figure out something because this amalgam thing they're trying for right now where they're 
not really doing the ogre stuff they used to, but they're also not really doing any kind of unique things, um, you know, otherwise offensively, uh, they, they've got to figure something else out because Stanford just, they, they, they've got to have a differentiator and I don't think they have it right now. Yeah. This was a weird one. It was rainy. That looked like sort of like the Rose bowl. There just wasn't a lot of people in the stands. Um, but Stanford looked like Stanford early, uh, they, they mm-hmm. had the opening TD drive. I mean, it just looked like, Oh, that's what we've seen before from Stanford. Even the touchdown was like a, a jump ball fade, you know, like, like it looked like what we've seen before. Um, and they played pretty well in the first half. I think the second half, it was closer. I, I felt like Notre Dame was going to cover this game easy, but there were little things. No, I mean, no, I don't think Notre Dame played a great game either, but just kind of little things were keeping Stanford in it. And then I think it was Stanford scored uh, kind of late. And so we were covering, we were covering this game. It was like, okay, this makes sense. And yeah, Scarlett had a nine yard run with under two minutes left. Uh, to bring it back to 14 points. Um, but then with under a minute left, Notre Dame returned a, a fumble, you know, or picked up a fumble. Oh, no, the they, they picked it up in the end zone. Yeah, yeah they, they completely did the strip sack. Yeah, and um, so we got the cover on that. But I, I didn't feel like, okay, that was a really lucky cover. Like, I felt like Notre Dame should have covered this one easy, but just, I don't know, some weird stuff that was going on. It just didn't really go that way. Well, I think Notre Dame's a far better team, but I did think they, I mean, they got a little bit of luck. They also had a punt block in this one. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. I want to say it was the, yeah, it was, so Stanford was up 17-7 um, in the second quarter, and then they're punting from their own 24 on a fourth and one, which, okay, I find it's on your own 24, but don't punt on a fourth and one. Um, and uh, they got it blocked, and it was returned to, I think, the basically the Stanford one. So that'll that'll ruin your day there pretty yeah, quick. That doesn't help. No, not ideal. Um, so yeah, they had some issues, uh, but they also did some stupid stuff. They punted from their own forty nine. Uh, they punted once from the Notre Dame forty five. Where else did they punt from? What else were you doing in this silly game, David Shaw? That might have been it. I thought there was at least one more, but maybe it was just those one, those two. Um, but yeah. Um, it was not great. I think they got a little bit unlucky. Probably should have been a little bit of a closer game. Um, you know, you get a punt blocked and you also have a strip sack in the end zone. Those are not super replicable. So, but Notre Dame was a better team all year. So I'm fine with the, and obviously we won it. So that's great. Yeah. 25 24. Beautiful. All right. Next up, we have Colorado Buffalo. They were on the road taking on, I think it's a nameless game. But taking on Utah Utes. Yeah. Um, so this was, you know, Colorado, I think, started out the game pretty scrappy. Um, I thought defensively they, they showed up. Um, the first three drives for Utah were basically nothing. Three plays, seven yards. Three plays, negative three yards. Three plays, seven yards. Um, and they, Colorado was moving the ball a little bit better. Um, they had one drive ended a fumble, um, which was not, you know, great. Um, well, no, that was a punt, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Come, come on, ESPN play-by-play. You're trying to. I'm trying to jog my memory from a week ago, and this is what you give me. <laughs> Fucking jerks. Um, but you know, I thought they actually were looking pretty good early, and then um, that defense I just don't think could keep up um, after a little while. And pretty soon thereafter, it went eight plays touchdown, eight plays touchdown, four plays field goal. 
They opened the second quarter with a punt, but then it was 12 plays touchdown, five plays touchdown, seven plays touchdown. And in there as well, there was a uh, punt return touchdown. So, yeah, started off good. Um, I think they showed that they have made improvements because um, I don't think uh, the Colorado defense from the beginning of the year would have been able to even shut them down to the extent that they did. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, Tyler Huntley had his very typical efficient game. Um, he did get dinged up a little bit at one point in this one, yeah. but he had his typical efficient game, 17 attempts for 165 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, and uh, Brant Keithy, super stud. Um, he had two, he had one rushing touchdown, two rushing attempts, um, and two receiving touchdowns in this. Oh, okay. I got that wrong at the top. Yeah. yeah. No, and one was like this, um, it was like almost an end around, uh, 44 yards, which you don't often see going to the tight end, but that dude's an athlete. He can really, really run. Um, I'm I was in a fantasy. This is the only time I'll ever talk about it. I was in a fantasy college football league and he is entirely the reason I lost. So I don't like him, but he is a good player. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I mean, Colorado, um, on their end, you know, it was a quietish game for basically everybody offensively. I thought Steven Montez played pretty well, um, all things considered, uh, but you're just not going to do much against this defense. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Um, you know, Colorado's still a ways away, but I think there was stuff to be taken from how they performed defensively, especially early. Um, it didn't feel like a 30 point blowout. No. Um, it felt like a closer game almost throughout. I didn't think Colorado quit at any point. Like I thought there were a lot of good positive things to take from it from Mel Tucker. They had a really good thing in place and then the deluge just happened and you know, whatever that's going to happen. But, um, I thought there were positives to take from for Colorado. We both took Colorado in this game. It was a 28 and a half point spread in uh, Utah. Scored. I thought we had a really good chance. Oh, we had really we, good. It chance. was a backdoor cover. I mean, Utah scored the last 14 points of the game. You felt maybe some style points or something, but um, yeah, they, I mean, Colorado was winning this game early and uh, Utah didn't even score in the first quarter, but started piling on after that, which, you know, a combined 60 points. Would you think that these two quarterbacks, you got, Tyler Huntley and Steven Montez combining for 325 yards passing, something like that, 222 yards passing uh, total, like in 60 points scored. Like that, that seems kind of baffling to me. Um, Colorado, the first time they converted on a third down was in the fourth quarter. So <laughs> that's not hard to win a game when you're doing that. Um, Special teams for Colorado were bad too. You had the punt return TD. TD. There was a fumble, some other stuff. It was. Uh, I, I thought the special teams units really were good for Utah and was really bad for Colorado. But in the end, you know, Utah it looked a little feisty in the beginning, but Utah, you know, wins by thirty. No problem there, beating Colorado, and they're going to the uh, Pac-12 championship game because it was still in doubt if Utah would have lost. USC would have went, uh, but Utah left no doubt there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yep, I think Utah is pretty clearly the best team in the Pac-12 right now, and we'll see uh, how that holds up tomorrow. All right, well, let's go next. Uh, we have our number eight team. Oregon State Beavers. And our number two team in the Civil War. Oregon Ducks. Yeah, just how you would have predicted with an Oregon State game, a defensive battle. No. Um, yeah. Uh, Oregon won 24-10. Uh, so did that mean they covered 
or did they not cover? This was a game that uh, Oregon State covered. I had Oregon State. You had Oregon. There was a 19-point spread, so they covered. Great. Yeah. Great. Good, 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 good. Yay good. for me. Yay. Hooray for Ryan. And this was one. Oh, no, it wasn't a backdoor. Oregon, Oregon scored last. Okay. Um, well, this was very much a defensive-oriented game, especially early. Um what I thought was honestly most impressive was on the first drive for Oregon, uh, Oregon State forced them to go 16 plays. Whoa. Just to score a field goal. <laughs> like, And this is an Oregon State defense that has given up a lot of explosive plays this year, but they were really stout against, uh, against Oregon in this one, just kind of generally. Um, and so that was... Kind of really stunning for me. Um, Oregon goes up 3 nothing early. And then Oregon State had a much easier time driving down the field on them um, to score their own field goal. And then this is kind of where it starts to hurt, is they kick off after scoring their field goal. And you're thinking, oh, this is an evenly played game. And then the Oregon nope. athleticism shows up on the <laughs> kickoff return. Yeah. Um, where they immediately score a touchdown, go up 10-3. And that was like the kind of thing that was just... Y- this was an evenly played game, like one touchdown on a kickoff return. And that just changes the complexion of things because Oregon state, and this is kind of my theory. This is why I picked Oregon going into the game. Oregon state's offense is really good against middle tier teams. Um, It hasn't yet shown any ability to score on good defenses. Um, It's really, really boomer bust from that perspective. I know it sounds like very stupid. Oh yeah. It's harder to score on, on good defenses, but Oregon State's offense has been great, great against bad against bad defenses and average defenses, and it's been actively horrible against any good defense. Yeah, um, Utah, Washington, and now Oregon—they've done nothing. And so, a big part of this one was obviously they didn't have Jake Luton, but I didn't think Tristan Jebbia was that bad. Um, I actually thought he played fine, um, but not having Luton probably hurts. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they've still just got to they've got to work through that. Um, Isaiah Hodgins was remarkably quiet early. Um, he kind of broke out a little bit more in the second half, um, but they didn't get him the ball much. Um, but you know, Oregon they did enough. I didn't think Justin Herbert was very sharp at all, um, but you know, he did enough. Uh, but it was not a. I didn't think this was a resounding showing for Oregon at all. I didn't think they played particularly well. They weren't very explosive offensively, um, but they got the win, and that's all that matters. They did get the win. Um, <clears throat> I was really worried going into this one because I took Oregon State, and then not knowing, you know, you're going to see Trist- you know, Tristan Jebbia starting and uh, not uh, Jake Luton, and I was like, wow. So I, I to be, you know, you want to go a hot take? Jake Luton plays in this game. I think Oregon State wins the way that Oregon played. Like I just didn't think Oregon played that well. I don't know if you get that 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, probably, but like I think Oregon State, you know, only scoring 10 points. I think they would have scored enough to win this game if you had Jake Luton come in there. And you know, Jebbia played fine. He was 26 of 40, 243 yards, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have a pick. He was fine. But I think to beat Oregon, you needed to be you needed to have a quarterback that was going to go back and make a bunch of plays. And I think Luton could have done that. You know, now maybe he wouldn't have played well. But if you had a Jake Luton playing well. And, you know, Dave has a good point. They play well against the, you know, not as good of defenses, but I could see Luton playing well in this game. And if he comes in and plays well, I bet you Oregon State could have won. So 
sort of a lipping to the finish for for Oregon. They had, you know, they had the big, you know, win over USC, but the rest is like, eh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, we'll talk about the championship game in a bit, but I don't think this was a very impressive showing at all from Oregon. No, I don't think so. And you could make an argument that it was just special teams, more or less, that kept them from uh, kept them from losing. Um, because, all right, so opening drive, they did a eh, close to a full field drive for that field goal. So we'll give them credit for that one. But the touchdown was a kickoff return touchdown. And then um, it was a Oregon State punt from their own 24 that Javon Holland returned to the Oregon State 39 that they then scored a touchdown off of to go up 17-3. And then their final touchdown was um, directly off of an Oregon State fumble at their own at the twenty-seven. So that's three touchdowns, all of which were heavily influenced by special teams play yeah. or by a turnover. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, kind of yikes on the offense um, in this one. And um, I, if if you're not able to do that against an Oregon State defense, it's going to be really interesting to see what they're capable of against Utah's. I don't think it's going to be great. No. Justin Herbert's going to have to – I mean, we'll talk about it in just a second, but Justin Herbert's going to have to have the best game of his life. Yeah, he will. Um, this was the – okay, so we got that. Uh, Beavs aren't going to be bowling. Um, like I said, I got that one right. Dave got it wrong. Uh, the last one, we got the Apple Cup. This was your uh, – Chip the fan game, right, or whatever you were, you know, after oh, yeah. post Thanksgiving, we have Washington State Cougars at number seven, and we have Washington Huskies <laughs> at number six, and they and Washington State gets the meow just as a preview because you know yeah, why. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing that it's always been, and as sad and depressing as that exactly sounds. Um, Washington did what it does against Washington State, 31-13. This is an exact replica of one of these Apple Cup scores recently. Uh, I want to say it was the one from four years ago. Um, but, yeah, man, I, mean, I don't even know what to tell you because it's basically the same recap as years past. But <laughs> Washington did enough offensively. It's still an, a god-awful offensive system they've got going. But that defense shut this offense down forced Anthony Gordon into check down city like it does to every Washington State quarterback. Um, like when you're an uh, air raid quarterback in Leach's system and you're throwing 62 times, but just for 308 yards, you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, he added into that a couple of picks um, where just not good decisions. Um, and that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, Washington – they did enough offensively, but this was really comes down to Jimmy Lake's defense, just knowing that offense inside and out, knowing exactly what to do against it, and uh, completely shutting it down. Um, it really wasn't an interesting game. Uh, Washington State, outside of the first drive where they looked pretty good, 13 plays, 81 yards. Um, and I think that's actually part of the, the whole Washington strategy. They wait and see if you're going to do anything different. They don't do anything different, so then they – um, kind of knuckled down and, and take everything away. Um, and uh, that's sort of what happened in this one. But aside from that opening drive, Washington State didn't look like it had any chance at any point. And we said it last year. Um, they've got to do something different in this game. Jimmy Lake is now the head coach at Washington. He's not going anywhere. Um, he owns this offense. You have to do something different. Mike Leach, you have to do something different. Whatever it is, add some wrinkles, do whatever you got to do. But you're never going to be scoring more than 13 or 20 points in this game uh, if you don't figure something else new out. Yeah. Crazy. Like, this was 
looking early on, and I, Dave got this one right. It was a Washington favored by seven. I took the Cougs in seven points, and it looked pretty good early. You know, Washington State scores first. Um, actually, you know, early in the second quarter, uh, they had a, a short field goal to go up 10-7 on Washington, and then the, the Huskies scored three straight touchdowns over the next, like, quarter or so, and uh, that pretty much put it away. But, uh, yeah, they were shutting – you know, shutting Washington State down. Can you imagine being a college quarterback? I don't. I don't remember how many sacks he had, but three. You you drop back to pass sixty two times. You throw sixty two passes. You drop back more than that because you were sacked. But sixty two passes, not one of them went for a touchdown. Um, I mean, he had zero touchdowns in this game. Like, how is that? Forty eight because you're just you're just checking down. Yeah. I mean, and it's what that defense was forcing him to do, but. They know what the reads are. They know that offense. They know exactly how to force what they want out of that offense. And it's such a, you know, read and react to what the defense is doing and just make the quick decision that they're able to force it. Um, and until they fig- until Leach builds in something, and I don't know, maybe he was this time and it just didn't work, but they've got to build in something that that accounts for that. If for just this one game, um, because I'm I'm sure Cougar fans are going nuts with this at this point. Yeah, I think uh, they have to be. They have to be going nuts. It looked promising early, um, and then sadly, it was not. So Dave got this one right. Then uh, so we each got what was it? The which game did we get wrong? The uh, I forget. Well, we got we we had two different games, and we both uh, we. Split those, and then we went three and one the, the rest of the way. So pretty good uh, four and two uh, week for us. And that that ends the regular season, Dave. Mercifully, but sadly. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we should move on. You want to uh, give our preview of the Pac-12 championship game? I would love to. So here's what we got. Uh, college football rankings came out on Tuesday. Utah's up to number five. Oregon is number 13, and USC is number 22. Uh, more importantly, the teams that Utah will likely be competing with or potentially competing with, Oklahoma's number six and Baylor's number seven. The good news for the Big 12 is Oklahoma and Baylor play each other, and you know you have six versus seven, so it's a pretty good matchup. Uh, we thought there were some metrics that were saying that Oklahoma would have jumped Utah and did not. The committee keeps saying things about you know, Zach Moss not playing in the USC loss and things like that. How the, you know, the margin of victory. So there's some positive things being said about Utah. And it looks like there's a legitimate shot that the Utes could make the college football playoff. Would it take a convincing win in this uh, next game? We'll have to see. Um, But real quick, Dave, before we preview the game, what do you think about Utah's playoff chances now? Um, I think... So I think what it is, is if Oklahoma beats the hell out of Baylor, I think Utah will need to match them. Um, But it's really going to come down to that. If one team blows out their opponent and the other one doesn't, um, then I think that team's going to get in. Um, But I think if they're even, like if the tie, I think, is going to go to Utah here. I don't – they've kept Utah ahead of Oklahoma after – what should have been more of a resume win for Oklahoma last week. So that me- that indicates to me there is some difference between these two teams in the committee's eyes. Um, and if they are both able to control their games to the same extent um, in this one, then I think that the tie is again going to go to Utah. 
Um, but it's just going to come down to that. If Oklahoma is able to blow out Baylor and Utah you know, wins a squeaker against Oregon where they don't look super dominant, then I think you could see a thing where Oklahoma leaps them. Um, so this game is really going to matter. Obviously, the one that matters the most is neither of these. Well, Utah's got to win, but it's the Georgia-LSU game. Right. If Georgia wins that one, they're probably keeping LSU in, and then neither of these two teams, uh, Utah or Oklahoma, is getting in. Yeah. So, But I think Utah's still got a really good chance. They've just got to take care of business and hope Oklahoma doesn't blow out Baylor. And if the first game between Oklahoma and Baylor is indica- any indication, they won't. Yeah, it was a close one just recently, right? I think it was. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. Yeah. And Oklahoma won 34-31 in a game where Baylor was up 31-10 at half. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, let's see. So this is what we got. We have Oregon Ducks. That's our number two team and our number one team. Utah Utes. In the championship game, Friday night on ABC, Kirk Herbstreet. Yep. 5 p.m. ABC, Santa Clara, beautiful Levi Stadium. It's not beautiful. It's ugly. We hate it. It's Uh, Utah playing Oregon. Utah is a neutral site, six and a half point favorite. Whoa. Over the Ducks. Um, Utah's impressed me a ton more uh, recently. Um, I think their defense is super dominant. Um, Nobody has been able to score on this thing in several weeks. Washington was the last team that made any kind of attempt at it. Um, But before that, the previous best team was USC against it. And before that, nobody had scored more than 20. Um this year, the most that anyone has scored against this defense is 30 by USC, followed by 28 by Washington, and then followed by 17 by NIU. So, um, yeah, this defense is really good. Oregon's offense, not so great. Um, it had some real issues last week against uh, Oregon State, and I don't know um, if, if, if Oregon State's defense and Utah's defense are even playing the same sport. Um, so the fact that they weren't able to score on that one and Utah's is so much better makes me think Oregon's going to have some real issues scoring in this one. Um, defensively, Oregon's pretty good. Um, but Utah's offense has also been, uh, pretty damn sharp for a while now. Um, scored 35 against Cal, which is a middling to good defense. Scored 33 against Washington, which is a good defense. Um, blew out UCLA, but who doesn't? Uh, blew out Arizona, but who doesn't? And blew out Colorado, but who doesn't? But this offense is in a different tier than Oregon's. Um, and this offense has shown its capabilities against some pretty good defenses this year. Oregon's is pretty good. I won't I won't discount that. But um, they've actually been able to score against good defenses this year, which we haven't. I haven't really seen from Oregon. So all of that said, I think Utah wins this one convincingly. Yeah. Give me or give me Utah by a couple of touchdowns. I'm in the same boat as you, Dave. We've seen Utah from the the USC loss just roll people. 38-13, 52-7, 21-3, which was terrible weather. 35 nothing. Uh close game on the road at Washington, 33-28, but besides that, 49-3, 35-7, 45-15. The last 3 games they've been three or four touchdown favorites in. So this will be, you know, the first kind of real team they've played since really they were on the road at Washington. Um, that was over a month ago. So maybe there's a little bit of, hey, we're playing, you know, a legit team now. It's different what we've seen. But I think they're going to win the game. And I, I wouldn't feel as confident if I didn't know 
that there's reasons for Kyle Whittingham to score more points too. Now it's only it's, a, it's six and a half points, so it's not like they would take the foot off the brake with they're up by a field goal or something. But I feel like they're going to maybe be close early, maybe be down in the early second quarter, and then kind of pull ahead. And and by the fourth quarter, their offense is going to be scoring, and Oregon's going to be struggling a little bit against this Utah defense. So yeah, I I like you know maybe win by fourteen or seventeen, something like that. Uh, I'd take the Utes here. Six and a half just doesn't seem like enough. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. And so they'll be, you know, we're we're saying they'll be twelve and one after this one with a pretty good chance to playoff. And who would have predicted that that it would go? Oregon gets into the playoff first, then Washington, and then Utah. Crazy. I did predict them to go eleven and one, and they did. Um, they did. Uh, you predicted them. I you only had them as two losses. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, good job by Kyle Whittingham. Good, bo- good job by the Utes. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they yeah, go. Yeah, and and so just so this is this season is now. If you're looking at historically for um, Utah, it's right up there with 2004 when they went undefeated, 12 and 0. Um, it's an SRS standpoint. It's just behind them. Um, but this is. Uh, looks like it's probably the second best season ever for Utah football. So and with, you know, a, a chance for Friday night to make it the best. Yeah. And you know, not to get way ahead of ourselves, but if I'm looking at the playoff matches, look, I think Ohio state's a buzzsaw and I think they'll kill anybody, but I, they could be competitive against Clemson or LSU. I think just like from what little I've seen of those two programs. Cause again, I'm a Pac-12 aficionado, but I think they could have a chance. The problem is they're going to be locked into a four spot where Ohio state might be waiting at number one and just ready to murder them Um, because Ohio state's going to murder anybody. I think they're going to win the title without much trouble. Um, But I would, I would be really interested to see them against LSU or Clemson. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we uh, jump in the question? I think you have something to tell us too. Oh, do I? You do. Oh, do I have to tell you about my shorts again? You got to tell us about your shorts. Oh, I got to tell you about my shorts. All right, everybody. Well, I got to tell you, I'm not wearing my shorts right now, my beautiful Mack Weldon sweat shorts, but I should be. Everybody should be. At any given moment, you should be saying to yourself, why am I not wearing Mack Weldon sweat shorts? This isn't a sweat shorts advertisement. It's a Mack Weldon advertisement. Uh, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I'm wearing office pants. It's way better than those. You're Ryan. You're wearing what? Skivvies? What are you wearing? I'm wearing my Macwellden sweatpants, which I love. All right. Yeah. Well then, well then you've hit a conundrum because your your clothes that you're wearing right now, they are the better thing that you could be wearing. You yeah. were wearing the peak of what you could be wearing. These are they're a little slick, and uh, it's been rainy here in Southern California, so I kind of wear them. I wore them yesterday when I was uh, delivering my meals on wheels, and it kept me dry. It was great. I love them. It's be- it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Let me tell you about the simple shopping. You can go on the website. You can look at exactly a perfect picture of exactly what you're going to get. I'm going to tell you everything I've purchased from Mack Weldon. It has looked exactly the same when I get it. Obviously, much bigger than the little you know image that's on the website, but you get the gist. Um, it was very very simple to order. Um, went through the process like a dream. Nothing, no trouble whatsoever. And the shorts are again extremely comfortable. Uh, Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. 
Ryan. Yes. I know you're always worried about stinking. Oh, so. don't want to stink. You never want to stink. Um, but they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked, which is super cool. Uh, so for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code POC. That's 20% off your first order. Go to MacWeldon.com, promo code POC. I want to see all of you in your MacWeldon. You post pics of yourself wearing your MacWeldon. And uh, and I'll be excited. Yeah, tweet us. Let us know. Um, I I yeah, it's funny. Like you could talk about when you have to read stuff, but I love it. I mean, I'm literally wearing them right now, and the underwear too. So uh, I like to, you know, I go to the gym a lot in the mornings, and I I just like wearing the Mac Weldon underwear because it's just just it, it's good. It's I, I love the it. worst decision I ever made is not getting a second pair of sweat shorts because I'll tell you, I wash that pair of sweat shorts probably every other night <laughs> just because I'm like I want to wear that 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 pair of sweatshorts nice well you could uh you can just buy another one yeah i guess stuff. i should um all right well thanks to our friends at mac weldon why don't we take a quick break we'll come back and uh we will answer all your questions It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. How was your break? It was pretty good. I ran to the bathroom real quick. I uh, did my taxes, you know, because I'd like to do them early. And then now, now I'm back. I'm ready. I bought some more Mac Weldon. <laughs> nice. Um, well, we got to get to some questions. It's been... Like 10 days since we did a show, so they, they, they've piled up a little bit. I think uh, Card Sharp Cook is first with Rocky Mountain Ra- uh, Rodeo. Radio. Rodeo. Uh, I was thinking Rocky Mountain Rodeo would be a good name for the Utah-Colorado game. It's secretly funny because the Rockies barely touch Utah. The foothills of the Rockies touch Utah in the far northeastern part of Utah, but apparently it's called the Rumble in the Rockies. That's a good name. As someone who usually roots wazoo, uh, love the kitten sound. It makes me laugh or smile every time. Washington State Cougars. Finally excited for basketball. Go Bruins. Card Sharp Cook. Well, thank you, Card Sharp Cook. So is yeah, that I'd go with Rocky Mountain Rodeo? Sounds great. Yeah. So they call it Rumble in the Rockies now. I guess so. I don't really listen to that stuff. Yeah. That I mean, it doesn't like that's sort of a it's a fake up. rivalry. I, I'm I'm I'm. Look, ASU fans and Utah fans weigh in. I think you guys might be rivals now. There, there's some rivalry there. I like that. I think there's some heat there in that actual thing. Yeah. I think it's, you know, they tried to stoke an early rivalry with Arizona. I didn't, I wasn't really feeling the authentic heat. This one, I feel some, you know, there's some real uh, vitriol there. And I like it. Yeah. All right. This is from Dana. Five stars. One star for each Colorado victory. That's five. Five stars. How many wins did Ryan forecast at the beginning of the season? I forecasted two stars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, glad to have USC fans cheering for us this week. Sorry, this this was, you know, before the uh, the Utah bloodbath. Yeah. Ski buffs. Uh, thanks for that one. Let's see. This is a Buffalo's Review and Outlook. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm writing this before the Utah game, so hopefully the buffs pull the upset and go bowling. Sorry, that didn't, didn't happen. Uh, would love your thoughts on the buffs, so rapid fire. Grade for Mel Tucker. Uh, B. BB's good. Uh, grade for offensive coordinator Jay Johnson. 
Uh, C. Yeah, I go like C minus. It's not. They. I might even go D because they had some stars and they weren't able to play consistently. Uh, sure. Grade for defensive coordinator Tyson Summers. Incomplete. I'm sure Mel Tucker's got a big hand in the defense. Right? Yeah, that's what's tough. But it, it, the defense was probably a little worse than it was last year. And that, you know, it got better at the end of the year, though. Yeah. Uh, this one is already yes. Lavisca Chenault declares for the draft. Um, better or worse? 2020 buffs. 2019 buffs. Mm, mm, let's go to the tape. And by that I mean the stats. Um, <laughs> hang on. Well, I would say this one was, um, it felt better because they were expected to be worse. Um, hey, and SRS will tell you it was a little bit better. So in so SRS, basically, I think we've gone over it before, but it's basically like how much better you are than like the average team um, in that given year. Uh, in 2017, negative 2.61. 2018, negative 1.17. And this year it was positive, 0.53. So slightly better this year. Uh, slightly different from the previous two five and sevens and you've got a new coach and it was against a tougher schedule and you uh, did the same record. So that's, you know, not too bad. Well, he's saying, do you think next year, 2020 would be better? Oh God, I'm a moron. Well, yeah, I was just gonna let you ramble on for a while, but yeah. Ooh, that's tough. I don't know what to make of their quarterback situation going into next year. Um, Cause we didn't see a lot of the other guys. Um, Steve Montez played most of the season. So I don't, I don't know. It's going to be a great question for Adam Munster Tiger in the offseason. Let's look at their uh, 2020 schedule real quick. Okay. Uh, so they've got, once this pulls up, they've got Colorado State. Um, that's on the road, actually, not the neutral sitey, it looks like. Um, then they've got Fresno State at home, and then they've got to go at Texas A&M. Ooh, Okay. And in the non in the conference, uh, they get Oregon instead of Oregon State, which is not ideal, and they get Stanford instead of Cal, which eh, better kind of meh. Yeah, um, gonna be tough. I don't think so. I think it's gonna be worse uh, in 2020 because yeah. there were five wins is still that's pretty darn good uh, for this season. I feel like it's going to be moving in the right direction. This year was more about you had a few stars that were you could kind of you know rally around, but he was still kind of building up around them. You lose those stars next year, uh, you know. I, I think it's going to be tougher to to win some of those games. It might be similar, but it might be like a four win team, and then the next year is like six or seven. I, that would be my guess. Yeah, I guess there's a chance that if the defense makes some real improvements, I mean, even if the record isn't better, even if it's yet another five and seven or something like that. Um, qualitatively they might be better it's just the schedules it shapes up at least from what i can tell is tougher than this year yeah uh okay then we, he's, he gives over under of five years that mel tucker is still the uh head coach at colorado mm. i'll go in college football these days five years is a lot um i'll go over why not over Yep. All right. Uh, we'll do that. Um, also, uh, Darren Cheverini uh, over under five years until he becomes uh, a head coach. He gets his first head coaching position. So he's right now, he's what, the wide receivers? Oh, he's a recruiting coordinator, wide receivers coach, and assistant head So he's the assistant head coach now. Um, yeah. He played in the NFL for a number of years. Um, yep. 
so he so here's his his recent past. He was special teams coach Texas Tech. Then he was special teams and outside receivers. Then he was co-offensive coordinator for three years um, and wide receivers coach. And now he's the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach. And he's been the recruiting coordinator since 2016 at Colorado. He's 42 years old. Um, He's got some real experience. Um, Boy, I don't know. I kind of think he'll he'll get a shot. Uh, In five years? I'll go. I'll go under. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll go under also. I think he's going to get a shot within five years. Um, five year over under five years. Colorado wins the Pac-12. Uh, over. Yeah, I'm going to go over also. I think they'll be competitive, but I'm not sure about winning it. Like Utah's looking good. USC might have a new coach in a couple of years, maybe, and they'll they'll be good. I don't know. Uh, with Herm's doing everything. Uh, then last one. Better 2020. Winning percentage, Dave or Ryan? I've got all the momentum in the world, so I got to go, Dave. Uh, Ryan, I mean, the, the track record is is mine by far. This is the recent track record, very the, bad. The, very the, poor. The glitch, the anomaly, is this season. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you six games under five hundred? Is that what you are? Uh, I think I'm five, six. I don't know, something like that. I'll look. Yeah, yeah. No, six. It's six. It's six. <laughs> you don't need to look it up. Thanks for a fantastic 2019 podcast of champions. Go buff from Alfred. Thank you, Alfred. All right, we've got a bunch of passwords changed. We've got a bunch of Chinese people who are trying to hack into our um, our WordPress backend. A bunch of bunch of hackers. Wait, from, so is that why across it, the globe? Is that why it's changing? Or, or yeah, that's why we keep getting WordPress uh, password changes for all these users that don't exist. It's really cool. Anyway, oh. a little behind the scenes for everyone out there. Uh, this is a text message from our man Choni nineteen or a woman. I don't know. Who knows. So, with Utah having a shot at the CFP, how do you think they'd match up with each of LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State? Well, I'm glad you asked because I already answered. Um, I think they might have a shot against LSU and Clemson, and I think they'll get murder stomped by Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State just looks so complete right now. Um, Clemson, you're worried because they just haven't had, they don't have a top 25 win. They don't, you just have, they, but they've been murdering people too, but they haven't played like, the likes of a Utah. So it's hard to say, but they got so much experience. They've been there. They've won a couple titles. I, I mean, I, I think that would be a really tough matchup as well. The LSU one, you got the runaway Heisman trophy winner and Joe Burrow. Um, what's normally a pretty good defense, but they've, you know, they can give up some points. I feel like the LSU defense would play pretty good against Utah's offense. And I'm not sure that the LSU offense versus the Utah defense would be really fun to watch. And, you know, it's Ed Orgeron's first time in the college football playoff. So, I, you know, I, I think that one, you know, there's there's the chance that LSU gets out in front and, and kind of murders Utah. But I would think that just matchup-wise, more experienced coach, all that stuff, I think there's a lot of advantages to Utah in that one. But Clemson, just because of the experience factor that they've been there and done that, and, you know, this is Utah's first time. It'll have been the first time ever. You know, they haven't won the Pac-12 yet even. Um, and Ohio State, just they're like a buzzsaw right now. So I don't think any of them are great matchups, but the LSU, to me, would be the easiest one. Yeah, LSU's defense is secretly ass um, for a playoff team. They're not great uh, for a playoff team. They're like, you know, top 25-ish, but they're not. They're like, it's not like Oklahoma making it in with like a top 100 defense, but they're not they're not a dominant defense. Utah'd be able to score against them. Um, and I think they'd have a decent chance of disrupting Burrow. I mean, it's Utah doesn't really give up what OSU has been doing to teams um, 
they they just don't do that. So gotcha. I don't think LSU would be scoring like forty five against Utah. Um, so I'd be really interested to see that one. Um, I don't think we're going to because I think Utah, if they get in, they're going to be up against Ohio State. But you know, it'd be nice to see. Yeah. All right. This is uh, Vader Horror from Eric. Uh, in your last pod, Dave mentioned how he'd love a Darth Vader horror movie. It doesn't exactly count as it's an animated show, but season two finale of Star Wars Rebels uh, culminated with Vader hunting down the Rebels and his former Padawan, uh, Ahsoka Tano, or I don't know how you say that, through the old Sith Temple. Uh, it's available on Disney+. Plus. Anyways, it's a duck. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. So what is it? Um, Star Wars Rebels? So maybe that, so that's an animated thing. I have I have the Disney Plus now, at least for the next like eight, 10 months because I got it free from Verizon. So I'll have to check it out. So did I. It's great. We got another, uh, so I, it's funny. We were talking about the um, Mandalorian last week and I've watched, I think there's four episodes. I've watched them all now. I think Dave, you've probably watched them too. I mean, it's pretty random that I'm even seeing that show, but the 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 amount of uh, baby Yodas I'm seeing everywhere is crazy. Like there can't be that oh, many people yeah. watching the show, but baby Yoda's everywhere. Baby Yoda is blowing up. Yeah, Baby Yoda's really cute, man. It's very cute, very smart. Uh, I've seen that that meme, and there's been memes about um, where the the Mandalorian himself, like he's like, you know, that is the way, or something like that. And then the the old guy that's like, I have spoken. <laughs> so there's those there's they came up with some pretty good memes coming out of uh, that show. So well done to the Disney creators. He says, anyway, as a Duck fan, I'm hoping the Utah defense doesn't reenact the end scene in Rogue One against the Oregon offense on Friday. <laughs> but somehow the conference may yet find a way to rig it against the team with the shot at the playoffs. Go Ducks from Eric. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would require rigging. I think the – so my take on the game is that Utah is going to win by a couple of touchdowns. But if you're looking for the reason why Oregon could win, Oregon does have better, more athletic talent. Um, Utah, if you're, if you're looking at them with a skeptical eye – who are the teams on their schedule that have had the most athletic ability? USC, yeah. which beat them, and Washington, which played them very close. Um, Oregon's more of that mold than anyone else they've played. So, yeah, you, I mean, I, you could talk yourself into it pretty easily that Oregon's going to play them very competitively and potentially win. Um, I just think Utah's playing at a more dominant level than they were even when they played Washington or USC, but... Could happen for sure. I mean, Oregon's got the athletic ability to play with anybody. Yeah, and uh, for the people that have not seen Rogue One, most you know, most times you have like all the heroes in a movie. They they live at the end. That doesn't really happen in uh, Rogue One because you know what the the point what they're doing is. Um, they all die. Spoiler. It's a tough. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. Don't don't get too attached to those characters. Wow. You kind of led with the spoiler and then walked it back to, yeah, don't get too attached to them. You already told them they die. Oh, sorry. Yeah. They die. Yeah. What are you going to do? All right. Uh, this is JPN. Is this me? Yep. Yeah, this is me. You were just reading. Uh, Washington State head coach. Uh, Missouri and Arkansas fired their head coaches. M will Mike Leach be offered either spot? I'm sure he'd leap at either. If Washington State needs a new coach, who might go? I've heard Graham Harrell, USC offensive coordinator who spent time as an assistant at Washington State, might consider it, although he apparently hated Pullman. Uh, Brian Harson, Boise State, and Jim McElvain, 
McElwain, uh, Central Michigan. Any others? Maybe Al Grinch? Or did Leach's post-Apple Cup rant eliminate his chances of coaching in a big-time program? That's an interesting point because we, we said at the top of the show that Leach did just sign an extension. But I that rant wasn't wasn't a good look, Dave. I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's like – I mean, he's so funny. There's so many things that you love what he says. But when you get personal with a reporter like that, it just seemed kind of – I don't know. It seemed pretty petty. Yeah, I've always found him to be kind of just a whiny dude in those situations. Um, I think he's funny and kind of a off-the-cuff sort of way in like an off-season talk. But he tends to be um, whiny um, after losing that game in particular. And then he also – I hate when he starts to just throw his players under the bus. I find that to be garbage um, from a guy who's making $4 million a year <laughs> to like talk about the toughness of guys who are actually playing the sport. Um, you know – he, he didn't he didn't play college football so come on like let's not let's not like denigrate people's toughness at least where the media can hear do whatever you want in your practices i know those can get a little whatever but um i i always find him to be kind of bullying in those situations and kind of petty in the other ones but yeah he says a funny thing occasionally i guess um but all that said no not a good look um i i know there's a lot of schools out there who will not touch him um and I don't know if Missouri and Arkansas are among them. Um, I haven't really heard his name bandied about for either. Um, I don't know if you have. I, I have not. I mean, the, the big one was Tennessee. and Yeah, you know, that was the one. And that and got then, shot down by, you know. The, yeah, there was, a, there was almost a riot for whatever reason. Well, that was, was on the, the athletic director. So they were rioting about Shiano. And then he was going to, yeah, so then they were going to fill backfill with Leach. But then they kick out the athletic director and bring back Philip Fulmer, and then he puts the kibosh on the leech thing, if I understand it correctly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, whatever it was. But um, yeah, they were they were going to get him. They were trying to go after him. Um, but that's been really the only pursuit I can remember that was serious for Leach. Yeah, and I think there was an agreement. Like I think they're in agreement in place that Leach was going to leave. So yeah, so maybe the extension. You know, we'll see. But I, I like like Dave said, I haven't heard his name come up other places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's from Mark in Tacoma. Hugh Jackson question. Uh, hello, Ryan and Dave. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, did you have a good one? Did you have a good Thanksgiving, Dave? It was great. Yeah. It was wonderful. How was yours? Mine, I just had, I, it's funny, I brought in some leftovers into the office for one of my writers, Shotgun, and uh, he forgot to take it home last night, and I'm like, he's not going to be back in the office for a few days, so I just ate it for lunch because there's no, it was just, it'll be bad. I mean, it's been a week. It's going to be bad. So... I got my last Thanksgiving meal just before I did this show, so it was great. That's great. Good for you. I love the the leftovers. Like I, yeah. I fry an extra turkey just so I have extra leftovers. You know. Yep. Uh, I'd like to give thanks to the Arizona football program for employing Kevin Sumlin. He's done such a wonderful job down in Tucson, and I just can't wait to see him patrolling the sidelines next season. Um, if <laughs> we didn't mention that, but there there was a vote of confidence of uh, from the athletic director for Kevin Sumlin. He was going to return. They announced he was going to return. Uh, they did get rid of some defensive coaches, like the defensive coordinator during the season and stuff. But um, yeah, so that was a little bit of new stuff too we didn't mention. Anyway, with the firing of Rob Likens as Arizona State's uh, offensive coordinator, Hugh Jackson's name has emerged as a leading candidate to fill the vacancy. Uh, he may have been an awful NFL head coach, but he was a really good OC and even won the uh, PFWA NFL Assistant Coach of the Year Award in 2015. Uh, he says he's been a... Good OC at the highest level. So if the Sun Devils do put him in charge of the offense, it should probably operate pretty well. 
It seems like Jaden Daniels has Heisman candidate potential in the future, so it's imperative, imperative that his skills are maximized while he's at ASU. Do you guys think Hugh would be able to get the most out of Jaden Daniels, or should ASU focus on younger, up-and-comer, up-and-coming offensive minds? I'd hate to lose out on a dynamic offensive mind just because Hugh is more of a proven commodity. Thanks for the pod, Mark in Tacoma. I'm going to mostly defer to you on this one, um, but I will say I would prefer with going somebody who's not spent any time in the NFL versus somebody who has spent any time in the NFL. But he does have experience as a college offensive coordinator and at USC, so I will defer to you on this one. What's your take on Hugh Jackson as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, he wasn't. I didn't, he wasn't great at USC. I thought he's he's done better in the NFL. He just seems to me feels more NFL than college to me, especially the way the offenses have evolved. It seems like that would be taking a step backwards towards what people used to do, as opposed to what they're doing now. Um, but you know, Herm Edwards has built his staff differently than most, and you have these. You know, to have another NFL guy that you're very familiar with um yeah I could see him going that way but for for me personally I would think it would be more of a get the college offense kind of guys I just I haven't followed Hugh Jackson's career that closely I mean it was fun to kind of watch him uh flame out in in, uh in Cleveland and stuff but yeah I I mean it kind of fits what Herm does but I think you'd probably be better off bringing in more of a college guy for Jaden Daniels and just, you know, he could put up some big numbers and I think he'd have a lot of fun where I'm not sure, like, how much is it about, like, execution and, like, everything has to go right for this four-yard out pattern to work. You know, you know those kind of things. Like, I feel like you'd be a little more of that as opposed to slinging around the field, finding open guys and just uh, moving up all over the place. Yeah, go find Lincoln Riley's best offensive assistant and have him be your offensive coordinator. I would rather have something like like that yeah but this this does seem like a very herm kind of hire and you know herm's done his thing and it's worked so if 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 he likes him and you bring him in that's fine but i personally that's probably not the way i would go uh Jaden daniels running something like that oklahoma system would be glorious yeah that's what i think you should shoot for but yeah all right uh this is brad in portland a career suicide cool uh, hey, guys, Ryan, oof on the picks this year. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a rough year, is it career suicide to follow Rich Rodriguez in a program that he was fired from? For those who have, you inherit an offense run by a talented halfback, a talented um, running back, playing quarterback. Let's Come on. Brad in Portland, they, uh, we don't call them halfbacks anymore. That hasn't been the case. 23 skadoo. <laughs> oh, my God. No, they're running backs. They're all running backs now. We don't, we don't say halfback, okay? Just... Okay, anyway, uh, I guess that you, you'll still hear tailback from time to time, but we're just calling them running backs these days. Yeah. Uh, run by a talented running back playing quarterback, Denard Robinson, Khalil Tate, and the personal personnel on defense also seem to be different than what most people run. It seems like it takes a few seasons to recruit the right type of guys on both sides of the ball to make the new coaches' systems work, but they don't have the time to. What are your thoughts? I don't know if there's anything particular about that. Um, I know the hires after Rich Rod have generally not been good. Um, at West Virginia. Yeah, who's the West Virginia? Cause it, uh, what was his name? He was the guy who was the assistant. Um, hang on. Pulling it up. Pulling it up. You just sit tight, all right? I'm sitting tight, don't, yeah. Don't do any research of your own. I, oh, Bill Stewart. I, Bill Stewart. I'm pulling it up, yeah. Bill Stewart. Um, and so he had one good season with Rich Rod's players and then was terrible. Um, and then at Michigan, I think it was Brady Hoke. 
Yeah, Brady Hoke. He was terrible. But that was a bad hire, I think, more than anything. And then at uh, Arizona, it's been Kevin Sumlin, who's been terrible. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know if that yeah. if it's why. I mean, Kevin Sumlin had an offense similar at, at Texas Tech, but for whatever, I mean, Texas A&M. But, yeah, they kind of ruined Khalil Tate, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it is somewhat of that retro thing because Brady Hoke actually had some success at San Diego State. I don't think he was good, but he had some success there, which deceived uh, Michigan into hiring him. Um, and Kevin Sumlin obviously has had a successful career up to this point. Um, so, yeah, maybe there is something to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have to look into that a little bit. But let us know. Yeah. This, this sounds like a, a listener. Like someone's going to know something about that so they can send them in. But that's interesting yeah, theory. I, I, hopefully somebody knows something about that. Yeah. We'll see. Justin wrote it about Josh Shaw. So if you didn't see Josh Shaw suspended for betting, he's is a corner for the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. He bet, bet against his own team and uh, got suspended by the NFL. Uh, so Justin wrote in, ever since he supposedly was rescuing his niece or whatever, I think it was his nephew, I've heard Ryan repeatedly say what a great guy Josh Shaw is. Sure seems as a guy who has never met Josh Shaw, that the guy makes a ton of epic, comically, comically bad decisions. Can you please help me square the circle, Justin? Yeah, Justin, this is bad. Um, I'm just telling you what I, my interactions with Josh Shaw. You know, we don't get to hang out with these guys in the dorms. We just see them as people. Uh, they interact with other, their players. You know, whatever we can see them interact with, and he's always been great with us. You would see him like in a suit going to his interns and stuff. You know, internships and everything. But that was an epically bad decision to, you know, lie about what you did and saving your your nephew and all that stuff. But now this is another one. So I, I, now I'm going to default to I'm not going to say that anymore. Like what I thought of Josh Shaw just from my interactions was that he was a great guy, and you know I would tell people that like yeah that was a big screw up. But for the most part, I've always just thought he was a, a you know really great dude. Um, now this comes out, and I don't know all the details of it, but. I'm not going to say that anymore because now I've I've got more evidence of you know two pretty horrible things that he's done. Um, so yeah, so I would say you can square the circle by that's what my feeling was from knowing him before. Uh, I I would I just wouldn't say that anymore now that there's more evidence like this. I'll go a step back or further from that. I'm not sure which direction. Um, people contain multitudes. Um, I've had interactions with Josh Shaw and. I don't know. I had one of the most like normal human conversations with Josh Shaw as I've had with any player. And I didn't even really know him. Um, we were just talking about like kids and stuff. And it was like, this is normal. Um, so I don't know. I don't know him that well, but when you look at the details of what actually happened that night, he jumped off the balcony. I mean, he was a black guy scared of the cops was basically his ultimate rationale for what was happening there because he got in a fight with his girlfriend where he apparently didn't get physical with her. It was just kind of a screaming match. And then he got scared. And I don't know, maybe he was drunk. I have no idea. People do stupid things. Um, people have bad judgment sometimes. They do. They make, you know, bad decisions. It doesn't make them bad people. You know? Yeah. That's just the long and short of it. Uh, but I would, yeah. So. I mean, he still could be a great guy. I, I mean, that's what I was saying before. I just, I probably won't be saying that again because I don't know the details. I'll say it for you. He's a great guy. I had one good conversation with him one time. Right. That makes him a great guy in my book. Nice. All right. Uh, this is uh, Ryan's Price is Right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. This is from Mark. Uh, it's amazing what sort of things you can see when you're trolling the pee looking for news that SC botched the Urban Meyer hire. 
Anyway, first off, congrats on winning the Showcase Showdown on The Price is Right. That is awesome, Ryan. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. It was interesting to see you interact with someone other than Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Second, does Drew Carey look like Chip Kelly at all? Uh, not really, no. He's he's actually lost a lot of weight. I mean, that was 10 years ago when I was on. And, and speaking yeah. of nice guys, and one of the things, if you, you know, you're in L.A. or if you're going to meet celebrity people or whatever, how do people act when they're not on camera and he couldn't have been when the cameras went off, he like shook my hand. He's like, Hey Ryan, that was really nice. You won. Told me like how much I won. And you know, when, when it didn't matter, he was still a nice person. So that's one of the ways, you know, so Dave has this conversation with Josh Shaw. You don't really know anything about it. There's no reason for him to be nice. And he was, Um, but yeah, he was a great guy. He's lost a lot of weight though, since, since I've been on the show. Yeah, and actually a pretty cool Drew Carey st- uh, story. Um, when the writers were striking in Hollywood, um, he paid for all of the striking writers and various people in Hollywood uh, paid for their lunch. Oh, like he had he had like a restaurant that uh, he was just like, yeah, the tabs open, so just come get lunch while you're on strike. Yeah. So yeah, very much good guy. All right, third, is there a guy in your entourage that is wearing a UCLA hat? I thought David is the only thing UCLA affiliated in your life. No, so it was my buddy Tanner's uh, 30th birthday. And so this was, yeah, so he's 40 now. So it was his 30th birthday. He's He played volleyball. I mean, he might have been like a walk-up, but he played volleyball at UCLA. We were good friends. We'd play volleyball together and stuff. And we were all going to the prices Right for his birthday. We all wore blue. Um I don't know if anyone wore – I think he wore a UCLA hat. There might have been – I don't think there was any UCLA shirts. It's just the, the thing was we, we didn't do, like, cool T-shirts. We should have. He should have had T-shirts made. But we all did that. We thought he was going to get on because it was his birthday. Um, but but I got on. So it was fun. We had, we all had a blast. It was, it was, it was really, really – it was, like, one of the funnest days of my whole life, like, being on that show. Growing up watching that show, to be able to spin the wheel, to be able to like just get in the zone and win everything at the end and stuff, that was it was really fun. So, I, someone found it on it's on YouTube, but someone just like found it recently and like tweeted it, so that's why people were seeing it again. But it's definitely a fun day. It's funny to me that you found a UCLA person with such an SC name, Tanner. <laughs> Tanner Morris. Tanner Morris, that is a deep SC cut right there. Yeah. Um, all right, congratulations on winning. Haven't watched that show in quite a long time, but that was far and away one of the most epic runs I've seen someone have on that show. 38000 in prizes is pretty neat. That's like 38,000% more money than you and Dave have made for hosting this podcast. <laughs> and we know you do all the work, so you totally deserve it. Oh. If Utah plays... Yeah, great. great. Thank you. Thank you. That one. Uh, if Utah plays Ohio State in the playoffs, maybe you can get Drew on the show to talk about his Buckeyes. Isn't he from Ohio? Yes. He is... Uh... He might be a, I mean, he's a big Cleveland fan. I don't know if he's a Buckeye fan. Probably. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he why was not? he was super nice. I don't have any connections to him anymore. I mean, but just by uh, just from talking to him that day. So I don't think we could get him on. But who knows? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, keep up the good work, you two, and try to keep Dave sane. We need him over at Bro. Him and Tracy are the last threads of anything UCLA sports entertainment these days. Oh uh, yeah. Thanks. They, you got a compliment, Dave. That's not not just for me. Try to keep me sane is not a compliment. <laughs> we both know that's over. That's long since passed. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a oh crap, there's an attachment. New Vegas Bowl. This is from Sin City Trojan 21. Hello, Ryan. F you, Dave. Clay Helton lover. Um, 
So that not, is that a compliment? That's probably not a compliment. I think it is. He, he understands that Clay and I have a special connection, and I think that's fair. It's F star star star. So I don't know what that signifies, but maybe it's something that's that's nice about you, Dave. But he said anyway. Love the podcast. Can't mm-hmm. wait uh, every week. Saw this and wanted to share it with you guys because big things are changing. I mean, look at 2020 when my dumpster fire Trojans going eight and four, unlikely might be playing a Vegas bowl against a real team from the SEC. Just thought you might like to see what's planned ahead. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Dave, F-U-C-L-A still sucks. And let me pull up what he said. So starting 2020 through 2025, the Las Vegas Bowl will move to the new home of Allegiant Stadium along with uh, all new conference tie-ins. So participants are going to rotate on a yearly basis. Pac-12 a selection after the college football playoff and Alamo Bowl. So they will move up above the Holiday Bowl in the pecking order. And the SEC, after the college football playoff and the Citrus Bowl, in even years for 2020, 22, and 24. And then in the odd years, Big Ten, after the college football playoff, Citrus, and Outback Bowls in odd years. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a, a, a good matchup with uh, the, either the – SEC or the Pac-12 or the uh, Big Ten. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But thanks for that well, sending that in. Yeah, that'll be uh, ugly, potentially. We'll see. Okay. All right. This is from an anonymous person. Okay. Subject line is work in the USC admin. Please don't say my name. Oh God, should I pre-read this? I haven't seen this yet. Hopefully. Well, that's uh... it. Looks it looks fine. Okay. I I kind of skimmed it. Um. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I wanted to email in and perhaps shed light on some of what is happening at USC behind closed doors. I work in the administration and would rather stay anonymous for this email. It is my understanding that the way Clay Helton's contract is structured creates significant financial problems for USC that it ideally would rather not deal with at the moment. When Lynn Swan gave Clay his contract, there were a number of clauses for financial compensation if he were to be dismissed early. We are talking upwards of $40 million in total to fire him and pay off the rest of the contract. Currently, from what I know and through the lens of finances at the institution, there are academic schools struggling, athletic programs struggling, and a number of lawsuits and negative fallback the university is getting from other areas, stemming from controversies at the School of Medicine, Business, and Social Work, and their former deans, the Tyndale scandal, the admission scandal, and so on. These matters have brought forth lawsuits, and many deans and trustees who are not simply focused only on football do not believe that spending $40 million to buy out a nice guy who has brought stability would be the most fiscally responsible thing to do. Like the next fan, I also would like change. I read Wilner's piece that you posted on Twitter. However, USC currently values its high academic standing. Uh, They care about appearance and moving forward from some of the fallout of negative publicity publicity and lawsuits that they have been associated with. They care about being ranked in the top 25 academically. It is important to remember that the trustees expect President Folt to achieve stability for the university before addressing things like the football program. Which, to be quite honest, is not the most fucked up thing at this place due to incompetent leadership and toxicity (laughs) and simply isn't the top priority for many of the trustees. The current delay, in my opinion, is waiting on some boosters to come up with that type of money. This way, any move can be done without running the risk of pissing off stakeholders about not using our money well. However, a lot of the boosters are so upset about the program that they do not want to bail the athletic department out of a shitty situation it put itself in with Swan and all of the recent admissions scandal shenanigans. They feel USC should take ownership for these mistakes and make this right. That's what's happening in a nutshell. Love the show. Keep up the good work. So that was yesterday at twelve at nine a.m. at nine fifteen a.m. So before I think the news was out, 
Oh, that Clay Helton was uh, retained. Yeah. Yeah, but seems like a uh, that that passes my smell test of the situation. I think so. I mean, I, I haven't heard the four. I mean, they were talking about twenty million uh, as a buyout and stuff because Clay Helton's contract goes through two thousand twenty three. But I I said from the beginning, as soon as you've heard that there was an extension from Lynn Swan, I'm like, that's Jimmy Sexton, who you know Clay Helton has a great agent, super agent, just fleecing. An inexperienced athletic director, um, and that's why two, two, you know, a decade with two terrible athletic directors that never done this before. That's what you get. Um, there's going to be all these little bad decisions are made. That's not a little one. That's a big one. Um, and along the way, and that's what Lin Swan did. This is something that USC is going to be paying for for a while. And you pile it in with all the other stuff. I mean, can you imagine a world where Clay Helton? His outlasting three athletic directors, <laughs> like he's been there a long time, uh, longest since Pete Carroll, you know, and it's crazy. It's like he won't die. Uh, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say like compare him to a cockroach, but just cockroaches are hard to kill. Like he's co- he's hard to kill. He's hard to get rid of. And I, the one thing I thought would be hilarious, um, if you look at what if USC didn't make Lin Swan force him out. Just let Lin Swan go. They probably fire him. Like Lin Swan could probably fire him. Where the new guy is like, "Holy crap, this mess I'm in." He still has to like, you know, take stock in the whole situation, try to figure out what's going on. It's so weird. But I do appreciate the the email from our anonymous uh, writer in there, and it, you know, I think a lot of what he said makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay, let's see. So we got anonymously like, it's like. Um, Watergate stuff. I love this. Come I know. On. We are we are deep throat. So this was oh, end of season true or false. Crap, but there there's a bunch of them here. Um hey Ryan and Dave. Can, I'm not sure if we're supposed to read them all. Are we? Do we just do the last one? Oh, I don't know. There's so many of them. All right, let's just say it's true or false and let's just read them real quick. Okay. Chip Kelly's firmly on the hot seat going into year three and needs to win at least eight games to keep his job. False. False. Jimmy Lake will keep Washington kind of rolling at least. Or at least they won't regress back to seven-win Sark territory. True. True. 99% of the self-proclaimed insiders, uh, not the staff posters, to be clear, on the P are full of crap. Uh, I would say true. 99%, but there's, yeah, there's a lot. I mean. Spiritually true. Yeah. Bone has a plan for what to do if slash when they fire Helton. This was before. Um, oh, yeah, he did. True, baby. Yeah. Uh, this this year was an. They didn't fire him. That was the plan. This year was an aberration for Stanford. False. False. Uh, this year was the high point of the crystal ball era at Oregon. Ooh. I'll go false. I'll go false, too. They could, you know. Well, I mean, if they win Friday, then. There's, there's stacking talent. If they win Friday, then I, I might go through, but they haven't won it yet, so. If Utah gets into the college football playoff, they have a sneaky, decent chance of pulling an upset in the first game. False. False. Only if Ohio State somehow does not get first. Yeah. Mike Leach has coached his last game for Wazoo. False. False. Uh, Dollar sign UC's fan base will hate whatever the outcome of the next week will be, and the Fult Bone honeymoon uh, will be over. Oh, it's already over. Emphatically true. Yeah. It's, it's so over. Two of the least popular people in USC history right now are their current president and athletic director. Uh, what uh, one would you rather for Ryan? Uh, would you rather bring on Scott Wolf or Adam Maya as a guest host to Tunnel Vision? <laughs> uh, I'll go Wolfie. Wolfie would be fun. Um, 
I got, you know, I'm friendly with, with Adam Maya. Uh, he's the one that reported, but it just kind of caused a lot of pain in my life because he reported that Clay Helton was fired. And then all the people on the message board is telling us, why is he such a great reporter and you guys suck? And I was like, well, cause he was not fired, but so it, it caused me a little bit of pain. Well, Wolf has caused pain too. Cause he'll, you know, but well, I, Wolfie would be kind of entertaining. I'll have uh, Wolfie on. Yeah. Cause you've, you've dealt with trolls before. You know, yeah. <laughs> people who just like to troll the USC fan base. Um, then we have some follow-ups. True or false? Dan Weber will talk himself into dollar sign UC beating Bama going ten and two, eleven and one next season. False. True. No, True. he's no way. True. He's True. very much. Uh, David Woods, uh, what was your favorite discussion topic for the P over the last few months? My favorite thing was I think yesterday when two guys on the board were about to get into an actual fight, where like one of them provided address information. And the other one was like, yeah, well, why don't you meet me here at this time? That was kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. Did you see that one? I didn't see that one. Um, it's insane how busy it got over the first couple of days of the week. Like, insane. Um, we did a, a Tunnel Vision live show yesterday after, like at 4.30. So normally we do it like at night where you get more viewers. We had over 1,000 people live on YouTube alone and like 500 people on the other channels. Like we wouldn't get that. Like when we'd get like Cowherd or any big guests on, we wouldn't get that kind of like people were, they're just on top of this. And the P was going bananas, just like every thread. I mean, they'd be, you, you could post a thread and within 60 minutes, it's off the front page. It was crazy. Yeah. Pretty nuts. But yeah. So I, I missed that one. Uh, but you know, physically fighting on the board, we don't, we don't want that kind of thing. Uh, do we want DJ or young when urban comes on board? What the oh, he, he's saying, oh, okay. So he was giving me choices oh, on crap. which of the discussion. All right. Well, you already okay. got, we already answered that. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's move on. Um, last follow-up. Ryan, how long will I get banned for the P for liking or commenting on all the, quote, Urban's coming back, coming bank on it threads to get everyone riled up once the first wave of insanity passes? I can handle like a week, maybe a month tops. Yeah, if you if you bring you can like it, I don't care. But if you like re if you uh, bump a bunch of old you know bad take threads, then you'll get banned for a while. So yeah, that's my pause. We know what people were doing that from like 2018. We're like, dude, you got to stop, stop bumping threads from two <laughs> years ago. It's fun, you know. We get like so many people. Oh my god, because you know you have the sunshine puppers and the doom and gloomers. It, it's always kind of split. Well, that's why it's so weird now that there's no split. It's everyone's on the same page. But the people that weren't Sunshine Puppers, the Doom and Gloomer guys, they don't want the the former Sunshine Puppers to be able to say that they don't like Clay Helton anymore. They're like, no, you liked him then, so you still have to like him now. It's like, nope, we're on the same page. We don't like him either. But they don't want to let him forget. It's kind of crazy. You know how it goes. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. This is from Oliver. John 8-7. So for everyone out there who's not well-versed. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Ah, I kind of remember. I I mean, I don't remember a lot of my Bible stuff back in the day. That's the King James version. Okay. It It doesn't sound great, but whatever. Um, like I always, you know, you hear the phrase that he is without sin, cast the first stone, not at her, you know? Yeah. King James version is garbage. Um, that's what I'm saying. That's the hill I'm going to die on here. All right. Uh, hi guys. I'm a little late on this, but I just wanted to point out that on your week 12 podcast at the hour 12 and 42nd mark, 
Loyal listener and noted duck homer Hifliday wrote in that David was, quote, treating a win over Herm Edwards like an actual accomplishment. I wanted to suggest that maybe next year Hifliday could remind honey-baked Cristobal that beating Herm Edwards is a requirement to make the playoffs. Good point. Good point yeah. to Hifliday. I'm glad we have people who will fight for us and against us via timestamps on podcasts that we don't even have a recollection of having happened. No. That's... Like, for all I know, this is the first time we've ever recorded a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but all these people, they're listening closely, and they're finding timestamps, and they are ready to do battle for us, and I appreciate it, or against us, and I appreciate that too. Do you ever watch um, live PD on A&E? Like, so they'll, they'd show cops like in live situations, and there have been instances where people, like, like you know, um, the audience at home saw like, they would write in or tweet in like, hey, that perp like dropped some drugs and, uh, you know, while you weren't looking. And so they would go back and like, oh, my God, that guy did drop drugs. You could see it on the camera. And then they would go, they could go arrest him or whatever. It's pretty funny. So our listeners pay more attention to this than we do. It's so great. So great. Um, all right. He's got a couple quick questions for us. Uh, should Washington State stick in their ongoing catch 22 where their coach is working miracles but always manages to lose in a crushing manner to their rivals? Leach is to Washington State what Harbaugh is to Michigan right now. Would USC put up with a coach that went 10-2 and every year and lost to Notre Dame and UCLA? I'd ask the same rhetorical question for Dave, but we all know UCLA doesn't really care about football. I think the Washington State fan base is forgetting the Doba Wolf years, but I understand their frustration. What's your take on that? Uh, so wait. If USC lost every year to Notre Dame and UCLA yeah. but won every other game. No, I think they would. Which means they're winning the conference every year. Yeah, that's, the uh, so the bar has been, that's what the fans get upset the most about. The bar has been lowered where Clay Elton will talk about winning the Pac-12 South like it's this great accomplishment. And USC fans like, who cares? Like, you got to beat Notre Dame. Clay Elton's one and four against Notre Dame. And you got to beat UCLA. Um, they lost last year to a pretty bad UCLA team. And, you know, they want to get national championships. You, right now, you want to make the college football playoff. And they haven't really sniffed it. So, yeah, I don't think that would be... That would be good enough. I mean, no, I, you you got to have the potential to go undefeated. So just having an automatic loss there, I don't think would work. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's an issue. They do have to figure out what they're going to do against Washington. Because um, I, I think Washington State would be fine with Leach winning, you know, an average of eight or nine games a year for a really long time, but it's going to start to really rub fans wrong if they just can't even be competitive against Washington. Right, because last year was a great year, but it's just had this terrible taste, you know, because of that. But if if Washington was doing that three out of four years, like I think you'd still Washington State, you'd think you'd still take it, but at some point you got to get over that hump, you know. Yeah. And then uh, when David Shaw inevitably goes 4-8 and eight next year, is he finally on the hot seat? As an outsider, I think we all know how this ends, but I'm not sure what any of the five Stanford fans are thinking. Keep up the great work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does, en- just, does one more year do it, or will it take two more? Because So if you look at the last um, five years, it's been a clear downward trend. They've gone from... 12 and 2 and a super elite 2015 team to a pretty good 2016 team that was 10 and 3 to a fine 2017 9 and 5 to a pretty mediocre 2018 9 and 4 to an actively bad 4 and 8 this year. Yeah, um I I just don't see Stanford getting rid of him unless it's like a couple really bad years in a row. And even in that case it might be a situation where it's sort of like a Shaw's going to retire or move on, something like that. 
retire. Dude's like 46, isn't he? I mean, from Stanford, and you just go off and do TV for a while and then maybe get back into coaching. But I don't see that as being like a, we're firing David Shaw. You know, I, I, it's just hard for me to picture that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. But if he has two, like, so let's, I want to look at this actually. Um, so Stanford 2020 season, I want to check out their future schedule and see what we're looking at. Um, because if they're going to go four and eight or worse next year, so, oh, they've got William and Mary. They're playing William and Mary and BYU next year. There's a, so one of your four. That's both at home. Two of your four. Yeah. And then, um, they get Colorado instead of Utah at home. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, I could talk him in. I could talk into him. Talk myself into them. Wow, words are hard here at the. Uh, what are we at? The hour and fifty six minute mark, more or less. Um, I could talk myself into them going like six and six next year. Yeah, bouncing back a little bit. Yeah, so I I think it's going to be tough for him to get fired. Just yeah. If they have even a competent season like that, then I think that stretches it out at least another two bad seasons beyond that. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be just one more bad season. I think it would have to be two more really bad seasons in a row before they'd even consider it. Yeah. All right. Um, is that it for that one? Yeah, that's it for okay, that one. Okay, last one is uh, CFP from Paul. With all the stuff going on this week, Clay Helton keeping his job, uh, Chris Peterson leaving, the Pac-12 championship, you had me so much on edge about the POC that I went back and listened to a few of the original episodes. Ooh, not recommended. Okay, it's a low bar to hurdle, but dare I say, at least the sound quality has improved. Also, whatever happened to having guests on the POC? Maybe you two could resurrect that for the offseason because we all know that two hours of this can be ferocious. They were ferocious. Or just talk Disney princesses. Um, we actually, early on, we were in the same room, like, so yeah. it should be pretty good sound quality. Cause we were in the same room. Uh, let's say Utah gets the number four spot in the college football playoff after beating Oregon for the PAC 12, Georgia loses to LSU and the selection committee doesn't jump Utah with either Oklahoma or Baylor. Lots of qualifiers in that conditional statement. Where will the game be hosted and who will the Utes play? What do you imagine happens in the semifinals, and who do who does Oregon play in the Rose Bowl? Although I believe Utah is the most deserving team for the number four spot, I don't believe they're the fourth best team in the nation. I worry that this might be another Washington-Alabama, which only leaves the Pac-12 looking silly. From Paul. All right, so the semifinals this year are the Peach Bowl in Atlanta and the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. So if Ohio State's number one, then they'll have preference. But I, I think they're that Peach Bowl. Would, that would I think prob- that would be a no. Peach- that would that would probably be the Peach Bowl, right? Yeah, I, I believe it would be Peach Bowl, and it would be like LSU, um, Clemson, and Arizona. In Arizona, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think from a proximity standpoint, neither is great for Ohio State, but Atlanta would be the preference there. So I think that's so, what you'd end up with. Uh, we already talked about what we thought that game. Um, would be Oregon as far as the Rose Bowl. I mean, they might not make the Rose Bowl, right? If well, no, they. I get no, they would be in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they move up for sure. Yeah, they would be in the Rose Bowl. And then if you're looking at the Big Ten standings right now, 
So after Ohio State, they're probably going to play Wisconsin. Is that right? Yeah, they're playing Wisconsin. So I think Wisconsin would be play Oregon. Is that? Yeah, it looks like it would probably be Wisconsin. I guess technically Penn State would have a chance to jump them. Yeah, we've seen that before. Like mm-hmm. USC jumped Colorado uh, in 2016. Um, yeah, so I think there's some potential there. The other one, if if Utah doesn't make the playoff, Oregon could still make another New Year's Six Bowl. Like if Utah goes to the Rose Bowl, Oregon could end up in another New Year's Six Bowl too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they get if they get if they lose to Utah, if they'll drop far out of the because don't they need to be in like the top fourteen or something like that? Oh yeah, I think they're pretty close, right? Yeah, I think they're close. Yeah, they're thirteen right now. Yeah, so. I don't. I hate bowl projections, as you know, but. Yeah, it's all very stupid. Yeah, but th- okay. thanks, Paul. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Um, don't ever listen to our old episodes again. Yeah, you can if you want, but yeah, maybe not. and we're never gonna have a guest again on this show. We probably will. We will. That was a lie. Yeah, we've we've had guests this year. I mean, just you know, when we're doing our thing, it's like already a two-hour show. So it- yeah, no, adding a guest to this, we did that a couple. Was that last year? We tried to do that one time. Yeah, and it added like a full forty-five minutes to the show. Which, there was one where I think we went two hours and 45 minutes because we had a guest on. Oh, yeah, you can't it do that. It was brutal. You can't do that. Or maybe it just felt like that because I only want to talk to you. No new friends. <laughs> That's a David thing. He does that. He does like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up then. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. That is David Woods. And we're the podcast of champions. So somehow we got two hours only having to preview one game. Enjoy your Friday night. This is be a nice preview for you for that. And, uh, Get you ready for whatever the bowl. We'll, so we'll do a show after all the bowls are picked, and we'll talk about the seven bowl matchups for the Pac-12 and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, any last words, David? None. Absolutely none. We are, You've been a pleasure. We are done. My voice is dead. Uh, many hours of podcasting, but, you know, a little tiny violin for all of us that have to do this this hard work, slaving over a hot microphone, as someone used to say. All right, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of champions. And we will talk to you next time. From producers, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube kiss the future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount plus go to Paramount plus to try it free terms apply.